Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who've embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world. You know, whether or not you've considered moving abroad or taking on an international role, globalization will impact your career. So join us for a lively discussion as we explore what an international career really means. My name is Stacey nevadomsky Burdan, and I'll be your host. In season two, we find ourselves in a fast-changing world, still affected by the pandemic, where we must adapt to succeed. Come with us as we share with you how to craft your place in the new global workspace. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Christine Jones-Harris, co-owner and principal corporate development at Jones Healthcare Group, Jones Packaging, headquartered in Canada. In 1996, she and her husband, Ron, bought the business from the balance of the family and took it into the fourth generation of active leadership. Chris currently leads innovation development and commercialization, external partner relationships, digital commerce, marketing and communications, and organizational talent strategy for this company with 450 employees across facilities in Canada, the UK, and Spain. Chris is an entrepreneur with a global perspective and just recently celebrated the 100th birthday of the Jones Enterprise. Welcome, Chris. It is such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. One of the objectives of this podcast is to provide a sense of the careers that are out there, more than the titles and job descriptions. You're a business person with a passion for building. Tell us about your role with Jones Healthcare. Thanks, Stacey. It might be helpful if I give a little background on Jones Healthcare Group first. We are an integrated packaging component and packaging services provider to the global health, wellness, and nutrition markets with operations in Canada, UK, and Spain. Operationally, we are structured with three separate business units, all really taking a different part of the healthcare packaging value chain. Our first business unit is involved in the design, print, and manufacture of secondary packaging components, that being cartons and labels, for both branded prescription and over-the-counter drugs. Our second business unit is involved in the primary packaging of RX and OTC drugs into blisters, pouches, and bottles in an FDA-approved multiple clean room facility. And our third business unit is in the product development, sales, and distribution of dispensing packaging, which, for example, is labels, vials, bottles, multi-medication blister packs, really anything from a packaging perspective that a pharmacist needs to fill a prescription. Wow. How did you get involved in uh, pharmaceutical packaging? The roots of the company are actually pharmaceutical packaging. So when my great-grandfather started the business in 1882, it was selling to apothecaries at the turn of the century. So the company has really always been in the healthcare marketplace, broadly speaking, and uh, we've never really looked away from that. We have some significant nutrition clients uh, as well and food clients, but primarily we are, all three of our business units are still very much linked into what was started over 130 years ago. Oh, how cool is that? That's, that's terrific. So <laughs> clearly the, the pharmaceutical wellness business evolving, growing, and I suspect that the same can probably be said for, for the packaging as well. What are the greatest opportunities and or challenges you see today and, and the ones you see coming down the pike? Well, there's no shortage of those. So we are in the, in the healthcare packaging space, but broadly speaking, it's the consumer packaging supply chain industry that we play in with the strong focus on the health and wellness sector. So being both in packaging and being in health, they're very good places to play from an ongoing market pull perspective, but they are also industries that are rapidly changing. 
And while I know everyone's tired of speaking specifically to the pandemic, there really is no decoupling of that global experience of COVID to many of the opportunities and challenges for our industry and, and frankly, for every industry. The pandemic has created an incredibly complex set of supply chain issues that, again, we're not going to see the end of for a number of years. The global movement of people and goods was frozen for such a period of time, and many subset industries had to make operating decisions. Cost structures had to be changed to survive, and that meant taking many assets and services out of the market. You know, all you have to do is look at the impact of the airline industry for that. And then, for example, we import some of our dispensing products from China for sale in North America. And the cost of a sea container went from $3,000 to $25,000 wow. in under 12 months. You know, in some cases, the container costs more than the product that was in it. So when I say, you know, we're all tired of hearing about COVID, the ripple effects of the back end of COVID are just outstanding for every yeah. business. What do, you, what do you think that means, though, for some of the, the students, juniors and seniors in college? What does this mean to them? Well, I think it means that they have to really take a really hard look at where they're focusing their first or next career paths and just be reflective of the fact that the world has fundamentally changed. And this public health crisis that we face this year is not going to be our last one. It's going to be an on, you know, with the movement of people around the world, it's going to be an ongoing thing. But that's not a bad thing. It just means you have to sort of widen your horizon and your the landscape of the issues that you look at when you're inside a business, whatever part of that business it may be. There's always going to be something out there. You just need to understand what the drivers are and then where are the pain points in the businesses and where can you insert yourself. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, because you've just described how things have changed over the last 18 months. Um, not only for your organization, but what are the other skills that are critical, you think, for hires? Uh, maybe some of the soft skills as well as those technical skills you mentioned. Well, on the soft side, we really want to see people who can swing with change. You know, people who are comfortable working in muddy, undefined roles. We've actually made four hires in the last year where we actually went to the people that we were looking at and we looked at a broad range of people. We knew fundamentally the skill sets, but we said we don't know enough about this area to clearly define a job description. So if you're comfortable with that and you can come in and help us build, knowing that we have a gap in a certain area and, and the ones I'm thinking on right now are uh, data mining and data analytics and data aggregation. But that's not the business we're in. We make things. We put ink on paper. You know, we fold paperboard to make cartons and labels. We put drugs in packages. We aren't data engineers. <laughs> so we are really looking to hire people who are very willing to be uh, comfortable in undefined spaces with a core tenant, though, of skill around a particular area. The other thing that we're really looking to hire for is curiosity. Because of the fact that the world is changing so quickly, and we are really in a very old, you know, some would call us smokestack industry, it's really important that we have people on our team who can help us impact our innovation strategy pathways and where we need to go and really have a, a much broader lens on what's going on uh, in the marketplace and at the consumer level that we could be building some new product platforms around. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned curiosity. I was actually going to say, it sounds like curiosity and creativity and adaptability, which is terrific. You know, that's Absolutely. really neat. Yeah, really neat. Some of the workplace trends that have emerged recently, things like automation, you mentioned, um, rapid advances and change in tech, you've mentioned, remote work and hybrid schedules. What do you see that's important, you know, that listeners need to 
to know to better understand today's workspace. In terms of the remote work and hybrid schedules piece in particular? Sure. Okay. That's one that's really near and dear to our hearts right now. And I think to most people, as we start coming out of the the extreme lockdown and start moving back into some element of whatever normal was and, and will be going forward. So, you know, COVID did teach us that in our business, we could tread water for our business with remote work, but we, there's no way we could move our business forward that way in a long-term sustainable manner. It's a tough one because we, we still really are frankly grappling with it in terms of the hybrid side. We have brought our office colleagues around the world back into the office. We have respected that the labor force has gone through a fundamental change and expectations are different now. Uh, so the, some flexibility is, is required more than it was in the past. So we've gone to a minimum of three days in our office because we need to have those impromptu team engagements. We need brainstorming sessions. We really need meaningful face-to-face -face dialogues to happen. And all of this builds a culture working in sync together to move the business forward that you just don't get when you have to book and plan a Zoom to even say hello. So I really do have concerns as I think about students listening or any young people coming into the workforce. My premise is as a leader, you need to be visible. You want to be on the radar screen in the business that you are in, very much um, in touch with the senior leadership and what they're doing. You want to be seen grabbing the reins, stepping into assignments that often simply pop up in an office or business environment that they don't necessarily happen just because you've scheduled a Zoom. They've happened because something's just happened out in the marketplace. Uh, there's been a, a supply chain shortage that we've talked about that's come through and we're all quickly gathering in a room and, and coming up with some strategies. You wanna be in there to be able to help the business in real time. And I think too, we talk about the, the mental health impacts of the full tilt of working offsite. We still are very social beings and we benefit from personal interactions. So the mental health impacts of the isolation effects of, of remote work is a real thing. And I, I worry for young people who that has been their only experience to this point, either finishing school or getting into their first jobs. It's really, really difficult to put a specific number against the impact of learning and mentoring simply by being in a physical setting with other people. So, you know, gain knowledge on style of a senior leader, sitting beside a, on a drafting table with a CAD engineer next to you and just watching how they do the business, even though you've been schooled in it. Um, years of experience can bring a different nuance and it's really hard to do that uh, when you're offline. And finally, I would say to this next generation of um, students coming into the workforce, and, and I've said this to our, our folks here as well, if you really feel your work can be so easily done remotely, then you have just broadened our entire labor pool for your role. And that means outside of the regional areas that we work in, we could look at areas of potentially lower cost. We could look at areas where it gives us a 24 hour productivity piece because of time zones. So be really, really careful. I would advise the students not to devalue your role and what you can intrinsically bring to your own development and the business by being remote. Uh, and I would argue by being too hybrid. Yeah, that's wonderful. Terrific, terrific uh, perspective, Chris. Thank you for that. And I, I loved all the points that you shared. And that last one in particular, from the globalization perspective, that that's that's happening in some industries. They're actually saying, yeah, let's throw the doors open around the world and let's see where we can some, hire some people. And that's, that's one of the things that I think... Um, 
people looking for a job new early on in their career need to think about from a global mm-hmm. perspective, the competition that's out there. Um, and, you know, we've all been impacted by global events, as, as you said in the beginning. Um, but a lot of students and young people, they don't really think that they want an international career. Um, but today's workplace is going to continue to evolve based on globalization. So it's critical right. to understand it, how it affects our jobs, our employers, our industries, the supply chain. What specific advice or tips do you have for students when it comes to globalization if they're not quite certain that they, they want to be involved in a global global organization or don't think they need it? Well, you know, Stacey, I would really, I would say to them, all businesses are global. No matter what the size, there will be some element of your business or your value chain that is from outside your region, outside your country, and or is controlled or able to be directly impacted by something outside your country. So I would counsel everybody to be aware of this and just keep this always in front of mind, no matter where you end up working, you know, you, you don't have to be sitting in Singapore to be in a, a globally impacted business. Uh, you can be sitting in New Jersey and that might be a one site spot, but your input factors could be coming from around the world, your, your markets could end up being around the world. So I think sometimes students, and I know this with my kids, we, we thought, you know, global business, that meant you're jet setting around the world. No, it just means you're working in a global marketplace and uh, that can be anywhere. So having said that, I would, I would say that always being a student of world news and events, geopolitical factors can make or derail a business very, very quickly. And uh, so I would, would guide students on the soft side to always be stay abreast of what's going on in the world. Make it a point to know about what the, the big, particularly political events are that are going on around the world. And now I guess I should say public health events. Um, that that um, the global health crisis won't be our last, as I said, and this phenomena of the nearshoring in conjunction with global, what does, what does that mean? I, I would really take a look at how how students are looking at where, if they're going to get on the market side of the business, what does that mean to the customer channels uh, and the customer strategies that you should be digging into or advising uh, your your um, employers on? Be aware and, and learn. Um, glo- globally, governments are investing in nearshoring and private equity is investing in nearshoring. And when you see that happening, you know it's not going away. So it just really, even if you are inside a global multi-site group, um, be aware of that uh, that phenomenon and what that risk could be to your global strategy as an organization. Mm, great advice. Wonderful. Um, Do you want to add something else? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I, you know, it, as I think of, about that and I think about the um, what has been very important for us uh, and really has been a tough skill to get inside our four walls and I've struggled with as a leader is developing the capacity to search, identify and manage partnerships because increasingly this is gonna be key for all businesses, finding different capabilities or extending your value, but not bringing it in house. Uh, there's just so many complexities right now to running businesses that have international footprints or international chains somewhere in, the, in their business and, and their, their market strategy. You just can't do it all. And uh, so you, you need to find the right partnerships. You need to be able to align with another organization. Uh, that's a real critical success factor and a really tough one to nail right. Uh, so I would say that's something you probably don't get schooled a lot in um, academically, but um, 
identifying and managing partnerships for companies in a global marketplace is a, that would be a really great skill for, for the kids to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that, would, that entails a lot of cross-cultural um, relationship building, aligning. Absolutely. Um, yep, emotional intelligence, yeah. This is terrific advice um, that you've been giving our listeners and things that you've experienced, and they also have experienced so much change, right? We've all experienced so much change in the last few years. Yeah, what's absolutely. A, yeah. What's a tactic that you've used, Chris, in dealing with change anytime throughout your career, and how has it helped? Well, you know, I I probably am getting a lot better with it as I get older, Um I probably embraced it without thinking a whole lot about it more quickly as I was younger, but now I, I make it work for me. So obviously it's inevitable. Change is inevitable. Uh, and some of my personal best uh, growth opportunities and professional ones have come from changes that were either thrust upon me or that I chose to seek out. Like buying this business, uh, for example, was a huge change, huge risk. But uh, and really stretched and really brought some serious headwinds to us, but something that really allowed me to grow beyond what I ever could have done had I stayed in the mining industry where I was. I think that uh, you you never know where change is going to come from. The COVID at the extreme was a huge change that was thrust upon us organizationally and uh, challenged us to be very agile uh, and very focused on important things. And, And that is always a a really helpful thing when you're thrown into a change environment, it causes you to get a laser focus on what's really important. Uh, and that's that's a good thing to, to be thrown into every once in a while, because we can all get, get caught up in the things that just aren't that game changing, but they can really suck up a lot of your time and energy as a leader. Uh, and inevitably, change will bring a, a positive new light for you. I, I, I usually, in terms of coping with it, I, I will give myself a short period of time <laughs> to, uh, to absorb it, to say, well, that was lousy, or whatever it may be, have a negative reaction. I, I try to make it uh, as short as possible, but depending on the issue, it, it can frankly take me a little bit longer. But I fundamentally, I'm an action-oriented person. I like to move forward. So I, I have learned not to fuss with the elements of the change that I can't do anything about. And I just get putting all my energies into embracing what I what I can do. I've also learned to embrace imbalance in my life, and change brings huge imbalance. And I think we hear a lot in the in the world about how important work life balance is. I would say to kids coming out of school, embrace imbalance because that is life, that is work, and it's all one thing. Um, you can't do it forever. You can't be off kilter forever, but you do have to be okay that your life uh, is going to be put out of balance with change. And I guess the, the final thing I would say there is that early advice in my career was that I would need to learn to stand in the wind. And when I reflect back on what that means now, uh, really learning to move, to be resilient, to turn where you have to turn, to switch gears and, and, and realign and reposition and pivot, so learning to stand in the wind is really fundamentally to me, uh, learning to healthily embrace change. That's wonderful. Wow. I love that. Embrace imbalance because absolutely we have to. <laughs> so thanks for that point. This has been wonderful, insightful. There's so much that we've covered. I, I, I think our listeners are I, I must be so pleased with hearing all these various things. But right before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to add? For, well, you know, I, I guess the last thing I would say, whatever – Whatever the students decide to do, whatever direction you decide to go in, just own it. Step up anywhere you can for accountability opportunities. You're not, it's risky. You won't always get it right. 
absolutely you won't get it right, but it will be a huge piece in developing your confidence, your profile in your organization, and your business savviness. Uh, and therefore, fundamentally, your organizational worth will be that much higher. So I guess my final comment is just put yourself out there and own whatever you decide to do. That's wonderful. Thank you, Chris. This has been super insightful and really so inspiring to hear your story, your advice, what, you, what it's like running a business um, at this time and to talk with you. I really, really appreciate your taking the time to, to spend with us today. Thanks. Oh, my pleasure, Stacy. Thank you. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global.